0: Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Listeners, this is your host, Mike, and we welcome you back for Episode 5 of Plastic Model Mojo. Dave and I appreciate all of you joining us again, and we would like to thank all those who have taken time to rate, comment, send us a message or email. That all makes this really fun for us, and we do appreciate it. It's a new month, and we have a lot to cover, so let's get the Modeling Mojo rolling. How you doing tonight, Dave? I'm
1: doing fine, Mike.
0: Yourself? Uh, pretty good weekend. I can't complain too much. I've... Got a fair amount of things done.
1: Well, good. I've been making progress as well. Uh, so what what modeling fluid have you chosen tonight?
0: I am still drinking the uh, Four Roses Small Batch. Four Roses uh, not too far away. It's down in Lawrenceburg, I believe. Yeah. And it's it's pretty good. I I had to go neat last night. I was drinking it over ice, and it was like trying to figure it out, trying to understand what I was tasting and couldn't quite get there. So I, I finished what I had and then I poured a, poured a short one with no ice and you know, it's, it's oaky and caramely. Yeah, not as sweet as some it's, it's pretty good. I don't, I wouldn't pick it over my, my bullet, my favorite, but. I was going to ask um,
1: how it compared.
0: It's uh, it's not quite as spicy. I don't think there's as much rye in it.
1: Oh, okay. What about you? well uh I've come in off the veranda because uh it's wintertime up here and it's cold in Kentucky uh, My wife made me put away the corncob pipe cause I can't smoke it in the house <laughs> and uh i've I've also put away the bourbon at least temporarily uh in favor of what I think probably is my favorite modeling fluid of all across. All types, all spectrums, all everything. Uh, I'm having Hofbrauhaus and uh, beer. Now, Hofbrauhaus is a, a beer hall and, and brewery in Munich, Germany. And you can actually buy their imported bottled beer at stores and, and places here. But uh, Hofbrauhaus opened... Three beer hall locations in the United States: one in Pittsburgh, one in Columbus, and one in Cincinnati. It's actually in Newport, Kentucky, all areas with big German pop- populations. And if you go to the Hofbrauhaus at any one of those locations, uh, I go to the one in Newport. You can buy their beer in addition to great German food. You can buy their beer fresh it's brewed there on the facility you can get it in growlers and half growlers and it's fresh and there is something completely different about fresh beer this stuff literally can drink it anytime anywhere it's just it's my favorite beer by far so uh, uh i'm having a my my wife went up to Cincinnati, or the model wife went up to Cincinnati over the weekend, and uh, she brought me back a growler of uh, Huffbrow House Hefeweizen, and I've uh, tied into it for uh, our broadcast tonight.
0: Well, sounds like we're doing pretty good for a couple of banjo-plucking uh, hayseeds.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, uh, the listener mail has been... Ramping up a little bit. I've got a few here that are...
1: Well, good. Tell more, us about it. worth mentioning. Before you start, just want to remind everybody, uh, whatever you're listening to us on, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, go in, rate us, give us five stars, because that'll help spread the word on the podcast.
0: Okay. Our first one is from, uh, from Adam Greenwald, and he comes to us from... Whitley Bay in, in the United Kingdom, uh, in Northumberland it's up on the, uh, Northeast coast, not too far from the Scottish border. He is, well, he gave us some nice compliments, but, uh, he was talking about show topics and kits we need. You know, we had the episode, yeah. our first episode was about kits we need. And, uh, he is a submarine modeler and he's lamenting the lack of, uh, wartime, World War Two wartime Royal Navy submarines.
1: He's he's absolutely right about that. Uh, in you know, in any scale. Yeah, he's, he's right about that. Uh, particularly my favorite scale in 72nd scale, we've got several German U-boats. We've got some of their smaller uh, submarines as well. Uh, we've got an American Gato. We've got a Japanese sub in 72nd scale, plus some Japanese mini-subs. But the British, who had a really good submarine force and uh, some were very, very effective, uh, particularly early in the war, the 1939-40-41 period, has been totally neglected as far as modeling goes. So he's right about that.
0: And he called out Airfix on the spot, pretty much, <laughs> which, which, which is kind of hard to believe that they've never done one.
1: Yep, yeah, it is. Well, uh, let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Airfix has made a good comeback. I love their kits. Uh, let's hope that they listen to us and uh, listen to him and crank out a, a British submarine or two.
0: Uh, next, we've got uh, Hector Cologne from uh, Chicagoland area. He's a member of the Butch O'Hare IPMS chapter up there. There's a famous name. Just some uh, good props from him and. You know, the name and the Butch O'Hare chapter, I think he might, might have uh, written in to to Dave and the guys down in Australia. It just, mm-hmm. just sounds familiar to me. So we thank him for listening. And we had a little short chat about the old uh, Chicago figure show days. I guess yep. it's still going on, but we haven't been up as a club to that in <laughs> quite some time. But those were some good trips.
1: <laughs> Mike, do you remember you and I coming back from a Chicago
0: figure show and we both had dates that night? Yes, we did. We both had the first date with our future wives.
1: Indeed. <laughs> now so I can't sh- remember
0: if we were, if we, were if we were coming back or were we leaving the Saturday before. No, we or were, after our first dates. We no, we were remember. coming.
1: We were coming back. Uh, we had gone up Friday, and uh, we were coming back after the show on Saturday. And one of the reasons we needed to get back is you and I both had. Uh, first dates with what turned out to be our, our wives. So yeah, Chicago holds a good place in my, in my memory for that reason.
0: Well, I, I used to enjoy that show. That was just always a fun trip.
1: Yeah. We need to go back.
0: Uh, a couple more. We have one from, uh, a, from CJ Leyendecker and he's actually from Louisville mm-hmm. and he is a big time scratch builder, kit basher. And I, I told him he needs to try to, he's, he's wanted to come by the club and I've told him he needs to try to do that.
1: Yeah, and I he, gave him
0: the, uh, the normal meeting nights and I, and, and I told him, you know, there's usually somebody there on Saturday morning too at the yeah. workshop.
1: Well, he and Travis would get along great. Cause,
0: uh, uh, yes. He sent that picture of, of what he called the uh, Tara and it was a huge multi-wheeled kit bashed, really Mad Max Thunderdome looking, looking vehicle. And yeah, I think. I think Travis and the, the other sci-fi contingent of MMCL would really get along with him, Yeah. but better, better yet, he's a home brewer and he has offered to drop off a couple of his latest. Once he goes to bottle, uh, at MMCL and provided that Brian and uh, Martin don't drink it before we get there, <laughs> he's, he's trying to work an inside angle here and get to our hearts. He's, he's promises from home brew model fluid.
1: Oh, that, that about, sounds fantastic. How about that? That uh, does
0: uh, sound fantastic.
1: I'm telling you what, okay, it was worth starting this podcast. Good idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and finally, from Westminster, Colorado, we have uh, David Waples. I'm going to say it's Waples. It's spelled like Naples, Florida, except with a W. And uh, I added him to the, to the lineup tonight because he mentioned something. Uh, he He's also a disciple of John Miller. Mm-hmm. From our prior conversations, and he mentioned that uh for airbrush cleaning after yep. acrylic paint, a mix of fifty percent denatured alcohol and fifty percent windex, and that would be windex uh the original formulation, the ammonia based formulation, not some of the newer ones, yeah. And not the party hooch made from uh, berry blue Kool-Aid and pure grain (laughs) alcohol. That probably wouldn't work either.
1: (laughs) I'm not even going (laughs) to (laughs)
0: ask. But anyway, um, John had mentioned this formula to me too, and I I hadn't mentioned it on, on our, on our podcast. So thanks, David. Uh, another David. Have to give that a shot. Uh, you yeah. know, I use ammonia. If I've ever shot future, I use ammonia to clear, clean that out with. But uh, the denatured alcohol. Actually, John had given me this recipe for uh, degreasing plastic before you even paint. So kind of mm-hmm. coming at the same thing from a different angle. But
1: yeah, yeah, I know John's a out. big John's a big believer in uh, degreasing every model, even if it doesn't seem like it needs it prior to building and painting. So.
0: Well, I, I think if it needs it, most of what you're taking off is your, your fingerprints and grease from your hands and stuff. Because modern tool design, if if you've done a good job, mold release is not a common thing on an injection mold floor, believe it yeah. or not.
1: Yeah. So,
0: you know, I've gotten some of those Eastern European kits from when the wall first came down that were just coated in, in slime, basically. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, mo- modern Tamiya, stuff like that. There's yeah. probably not, they're probably not using it. Yeah. Probably don't have to. Yeah, if if you have to use too. it, you have a problem. Yeah.
1: So uh, well, that's
0: all I got for listener mail.
1: Yeah. So what, uh, uh, since our last, uh, episode, uh, what's on your bench?
0: Well, we'll start with the one I haven't done any work on. It would be the zis 2 anti-tank gun. I just, I just haven't, I've been working on other stuff. I just haven't taken the time to, to start doing the the rest of the painting on it.
1: Is it a psychological block, or you just got more interested in something else, or
0: I, I'm did... hoping it's I've been more interested in something else. But well, there might be something to that. Yeah, uh, but I, it... I don't know yet. Uh, we'll see. That. We'll, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, we're going to have to get there because I'm about to enter paint phase on a lot of stuff. Uh, the little nostalgia build, my Airfix Morris six by four tractor and the forty millimeter Bofors is. Uh, the assembly's done. I still got a little work to do on the, the little figures that come with it, but, uh, the gun and the tractor are finished. The build's done. So that's about to enter paint. And, you know, again, that was not a accuracy detail kind of project. I was really just trying to get a clean build and build that old kit, uh, a lot better than I did when I was 11 or 12, the first time I built it, which was a long time ago.
1: And you know what? Sometimes those just simple nostalgia builds are a great, uh, you know, especially if you're doing uh, intense stuff, uh, those, those nostalgia builds can be a nice little break uh, where, where you don't get all wrapped around the axle trying to, to super detail it or photo etch the heck out of it and just get a nice build.
0: I'll, I'll probably buy another one. Yeah, not not that kit, but another vintage Airfix. May, maybe their little quad and twenty five pound field gun. Yeah, that might be a good one. I don't we'll
1: know. Buy buy an older molding. Y-
0: yes, I will. I've learned my lesson on that, one. I'll buy an older mold. <laughs> uh, also, I've, I'm working on the the base for the PT seventy six. You know, I'd really like to get that done and enter it in Indianapolis. That's what I would yeah. like to do.
1: Well, that's not that too might, far
0: away. That's a couple three weeks. Four weeks, maybe three. Yeah. Three weeks. First week of March. Good. (laughs) Oh, it's on the seventh, right? It's on the last day of the first week. Okay. Bonus. I get a little (laughs) extra time. It it shouldn't take that long.
1: Well, worst worst comes to worst, you can take it up and enter it without the base.
0: Uh, Yes, absolutely. Could do that. It would be a deviation from my normal style, but uh, push come to shove, that would also work. Well, uh, uh, other than that, I've, I'm, I'm planning, I'm planning something new.
1: Uh, oh. Uh, all right. So, maybe you can tease it on the Facebook page.
0: Uh, maybe <laughs> it might get, it, it might get teased in one of the later segments here tonight, but we'll oh, wait okay. till we get there. All well, right. What, what about you? What are you working on?
1: Well, um, the AS1 has gone back into work. Uh, uh, Scott Skippy King came over and, uh, he and I modeled together a couple of weekends ago and uh, that got me working back on the AS1. So uh, I'm hoping, I mean, it's, it's 90, 95% done. It's just gonna, uh, it's just some cleanup, some respray, and it'll be ready to be done. So heck if I can finish two in, in, two months. uh, You know, I might not get 52 in a year done, but I might get 12. That would be a great (laughs) improvement for me. Number two is I I got the Airfix MiG-17 that I mentioned previously. I can see myself building a lot of these kits. I love this airplane. And right now, even with some flaws, I think it's probably the best MiG-17 out there. In 72nd scale, so I've started my first one. Uh, I'm gonna build it uh, straight out of the box. I mean, there are some people who've gone online, and some people have trashed it. Some people have made suggestions for improvements, and there's always every kit can be improved. But uh, since I plan on building this thing probably multiple times, uh, first time I'm just going straight out of the box just to see what it. Uh, what it looks like. Uh,
0: well, if you're good, if you're going to build more than one, that kind of makes sense. You know, you can kind of feel it out. Exactly. See where F- the walls are. Yep. Find all the warts. And so, are you going to use the kit decals? This is going to be a.
1: No, actually, I got uh, a set of uh, extra kit decals. Um, there's a little country that used to be known as Upper Volta in Africa. Uh, it's now known as Burkina Faso. And they had exactly one MiG-17. In fact, it's the only jet the Air Forces of Burkina Faso has ever operated. We think it probably came from Libya. Uh, It was used in a small border conflict with Mali. It's a fairly simple color scheme of kind of an olive drab over a uh, fairly bright blue. And one of the things... One of my areas of interest is smaller air forces. And so, one well, of the things that would be one, exactly, that was one of the things I'd like to do is build one aircraft representing all these different small air forces, just as a nice marking study. And so, you know, it's unlikely I would ever build another aircraft that was used by Burkina Faso. So, this is kind of two birds with one stone. And then finally, And I'm getting pretty close on this. Uh, I mentioned the mystery build last time. Um, You know, some of the best modelers I know, Dave Crouch in, in our club is one of them, build across spectrums. They'll build a car one time, do a figure bust the next, and then do a 48 scale airplane the next. Really good modelers. Many of them have that ability, and I think that they stretch their skills and they learn a lot. So, I decided to try something. I've never. I've done a couple of thirty fifth scale uh, anti tank guns. I've done a. I've done one T thirty four, which uh, uh, many years ago, and uh, looks like the showroom kit that or the showroom model that Stalin must have looked at when he when he decided to buy the T-34 because it's the cleanest tank you will ever see in your life. Uh, I thought I'd heavily weathered it at the time. In retrospect, it was (laughs) nothing much. But I've got an interest in the 1940 Norwegian campaign. Uh, Speaking of which, the fifth fifth most number of listeners to our podcast are from Norway. So hi, all of you. But I've got a real interest in the Norwegian campaign of 1940 because It's the first combined arms uh, operation, uh, land, sea, and air. The poor Norwegians got shafted by everybody on all sides. So I wanted to do something different. So I I came up with the idea to do a vignette and try and tell a story with a vignette without a figure. No figures, just landscape and equipment. And so I got the Rich Models British equipment and built the um, any aircraft stand for the Bren gun. And uh, I'm going to try my hand at a vignette with the Bren gun and the Bren gun stand and some empty clips and the empty clip box and a helmet and just that and groundwork and see if I can tell an effective story with just that, no figures, no nothing. So, uh, and it's stretching my skills. And I got to say, it's not anything I've ever done before. And I'm having a heck of a fun time with it, which is, let's face it, what modeling mojo is all about.
0: Now you sent me a picture of the groundwork. Is that a, is that a test or is that yes. some piece of, no, that's that, actually going on in the base you showed me?
1: No, the, the piece I showed you, I took and did a one inch by one inch test, uh, just cause I've never done groundwork before. And there's all these products out there and with different, different products and, and all of these, uh, books and instruction manuals. And since I'd never done it at all, I decided to, uh, do a one inch by one inch test piece of landscape, um. At the actual base the vignettes actually gonna be about two inches by two inches and I just did it just to to try and learn to see what's out there to see if I could replicate the type of muddy snowy terrain that I'm gonna to want to 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 replicate before I actually try it on on the actual vignette. And it's enjoyable. It's amazing there's a lot of products out there and I think that they probably make it a whole lot easier for people who are just getting into um, just getting into that particular hobby or that particularly particular subset of the hobby. Uh, makes it much easier than maybe it used to be with cellular clay and, and, and acrylic paints and that's about it.
0: Well, yeah, that's a good point. I I think you can do a lot now and not have to make as big a mess of your workbench and <laughs> various containers and mixing utensils and all that cuz a lot of this stuff now is right out of the jar. Yeah. And I'm 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 going to use a product from the same line that you use. I think he, did you use Vallejo's?
1: Yes. I use Vallejo's. Actually, I use the asphalt terrain cuz it just it has the right consistency for what I was looking for and you paint it over and you can make it look like a fairly convincing mud. Uh, But they make it in all sorts of, you know, earth, sand, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So for this little Airfix build, I'm finishing up. I want to do a little display on the kind of the same vein that Plasmo off YouTube uh, does with his 72nd scale armor and aircraft he he just does these nice little compact foam based scenes and i'm going to give that give that a go for this this little gun and tractor well i'm going to use one of these textured earth products and and just just see what happens
1: yeah well that's a a shot that's a nice tease for a future episode because sometime in the future you and i'll do an episode where our special segment is nothing but talking about different youtube channels uh, for modelers and there's a lot of good stuff out there
0: speaking of good stuff out there <laughs> last week a week before not yeah. sure the nuremberg toy fair was was held and we've we've got an opportunity to discuss a few things here uh our friends in Canada with the scale model podcast had their joint podcast with on the bench and Dave goldfinch and they talked a little bit about new kits but not a whole lot from Nuremberg Toy Fair in that episode because they had, they had bigger fish to fry with that, with that episode. And so here we are, uh, a lot of stuff now, generally speaking, uh, I don't know how you felt about it. We talked about a little bit, but not too much, but I was a bit surprised this year. Usually one of the more prolific hobby information venues kind of picks it up and runs with it. And I I didn't feel like this year that, that kind that really happened. I had to, I had to dig a little deeper for stuff. Maybe I was looking in the wrong place.
1: Well, IPMS Deutschland uh always has a good report and then they do uh broken down by category and then by scale uh but it was a little hard to find but once I found it uh, they did a nice presentation of everything that had been announced um I thought the the it was a little thin this year on on totally new stuff. Uh there's a lot of reissues, a lot of stuff like that but i thought the the completely new announcements were relatively thin compared to previous years um but there's still plenty of good stuff out there i mean more than i can build in a year that's for sure
0: of what was announced what what did you like well uh because i think you're right i think I, I did comment in one of our conversations that uh, s- seventy-second scale aircraft seem seem to be uh, excessively light.
1: I'm not excess. It, it was lighter. There's no question that this year was lighter, and I don't know if that's because companies are worried about an economic downturn because it's been so good for so long, and so they're they're hedging their bets or they're resting on their laurels or. Uh, but there's still plenty of good stuff. Uh, Ravel. Now, this is 48 scale, and I, te- I I like to tease the 48 scale guys. But uh, uh, Ravel and 48 scale announced a brand new SR71, and I have a feeling that's going to be real popular because the previously the only 48 scale SR71 was the old testers Italeri kit and well while it was a fine kit it was molded back in the 80s so you're talking about uh, technology improvements over 30 plus years so it's really i think going to be popular with the 48 scale guys um what do, what one what's one of the ones you saw that you were jazzed about
0: well i tell you we we've we've been hitting mini art pretty hard here and not not in the positive light <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Oh come on, the pigeons were fine. <laughs> right. They've announced uh T thirty four eighty five the the model nineteen forty three version from factory one twelve, which was a definite hole. Uh, you know, I, I went on on our first episode about wanting an STZ model forty two. Yeah, this would have been this is easily the the number two. But I'm, I'm so jazzed about this one. As soon as this one hits, I'm buying it. Uh, this is the early t thirty four eighty five where they they shoehorned a version of the K-52 85mm anti-aircraft gun into this tank. Uh, D5T was the designation for the armament for this tank. And it's got a little different... The turret's not quite shaped the same, and the gun mantlet is really different than the later, more prolific T3485s. Uh but this is a version I've always wanted to do and I my god I probably have four or five different resin turrets for this. Now you're I don't right. have to use any of them. So <laughs> <laughs> eBay, here we come. <laughs> you're, you're ba- eBay, here we come, but I, I'm, you know it's it's a full blown interior kit though. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, yeah. I told you told you last week that I'd rather pay what I say for sake of argument. $50 for a kit with the option of buying a $30 upgrade for an interior later. No, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather yeah. buy a $60 kit with no interior. Yeah. I have to buy an $80 kit with an interior. Even if the added interior costs me more in the end, because most of the time you you just don't want it. It's too much. It's just right. too much. Well, I mean, and it's a model that you'll never finish.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> and, and not only that, but... They're very unless you do some weird deconstruction, and other than like a, a late Panzer IV, there's there are not a lot of tanks that even if you open it up normally, you're going to see a lot of the interior, um, and and I suspect the T thirty four eighty five is probably like that. I mean, you could see some if you opened up every hatch, but uh, you know. Uh, It's certainly
0: not the most visible.
1: Yeah, exactly. So sometimes I do think it's a waste. Um, Now, Special Hobby for me announced a KI-54. That's a Japanese small transport trainer that was used during World War II in 72nd scale. This is a hole in uh, Japanese World War II aircraft. uh, And... That airplane was used a lot in all theaters um, and definitely is one that the uh, Japanese aircraft modelers are going to be interested in. So I was quite pleased to see that announced at Nuremberg. Special Hobby? Uh, Yeah, Special Hobby. And Special Hobby has improved to the point where their new kits are Pretty much the equal of Edward or uh, uh, a manufacturer like that. So some of their early kits were rough. They had a they had a learning curve, um,
0: but uh, so you answered my next question: is is how far is, they had come?
1: They've they've come to the point where they are a the they're they're no longer a short run or second tier or third tier manufacturer. They are. Uh, you know, Hasegawa, Edward level of quality um, uh, in their new stuff. So that's going to be, that's going to be really popular. Uh, And I'll, i definitely will pick one of those up for my large Japanese collection. So uh, what's another one that you saw?
0: Uh, Really only one more for me that really got me excited. And it it wasn't too much of a surprise because the, Somebody let the cat out of the bag early, uh, but Tamiya's doing a Renault R R thirty five French light the, tank.
1: That looks nice.
0: In fact, somebody, one of the YouTubers, has already built it. Oh, somebody really? got some. Yeah, he got some early pre Nuremberg releases, and yeah, it's looks a lo- looks a lot better than the old Heller kit, and looks looks better th- than anything else that's been done since that one. So definitely, d- definitely going to buy that one.
1: It's, it's nice to see the, the French World War Two stuff getting some love, but uh, I know that was a, a big hole for a long, long time. So uh, it's kind of nice to see those getting some attention.
0: Well, especially with the Tamiya quality, because the Hobby Boss and Trumpeter ones are kind of a, well, and the Bronco ones, they're, they're, it's kind of a mixed bag. Sure. So, some of them are okay. Some of them are, are not. Not much more fun to build than one of the old Heller kits.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so this was a nice one.
1: Well, good. Glad
0: to see it. I, uh, so, I've got two, two definite stash additions.
1: <laughs> well, the unfortunately. One, the, the one other one that I saw that piqued my interest was, uh, uh I've got an interest in 72nd scale anti aircraft missiles. Uh, Hobby Boss has announced that they are doing an SA2. Um, the uh, the Russian Sam, and while this has been kitted a number of times before, including way back to Airfix did one um, many many years ago. Um, a modern, it's yeah, it, a
0: rare kit.
1: Yeah, well, I've got one in the stash, so who knows? It might be headed your way. Um, <laughs> the the I'm, I have no doubt that Hobby Boss will do a really nice. SA-2. And uh, uh, I I mean, that, that has a number of uh, uses for me, either in a Cuban miss, Missile Crisis setting or in a Vietnam setting. And so uh, I was happy to see that because that's definitely one that I'll pick up. So uh, speaking of additions to the collection, um, what exactly broke your wallet this this past month or so?
0: Well, it's been a little more than a month since we've hit this topic before and I've not been terrible. This gets back to my hint for my project planning. Uh-huh. I finally found I finally found it at a, at a price I could pop on. Hobby Boss BM13 N Kachusha. Yeah. Now, this this kit, it's a big kit, really. Well, it's got a lot of parts. Yeah. But I, but I bought it for the the launch system on it. I don't I don't. It's a post war truck. It's just, it's just like the artillery kit because it's a hell of a lot better. It's post war Soviet truck with the same same configured launcher as the World War II Katusha systems. So I, I picked this up. I don't know. Maybe Travis and some of the sci fi guys will be interested in a in a truck because I'm <laughs> only I'm only using I'm only using the launch rails and the elevation system. That's it. Gotcha. So I picked that up it's nice it, you know it's it's the same as the Italeri, same vehicle same truck and launcher but again it's it's a lot more modern because that that kit was from the from the mid-70s i believe
1: yeah well good and
0: in a uh, you know when i see a deal it's hard not to buy something
1: <laughs> we all have that problem
0: right scale model graveyard on facebook are non North American listeners could probably give a rip about it because basically it's a, it's a Facebook page where people are selling their stashes and some of them are selling new stuff, I'm sure. But, uh, some guy was selling a bunch of bagged kits. Like there'll be these modelers out there when they, in their stash, they ditch the boxes yeah, and everything's in a, in a, like a file drawer in a Ziploc bag. And then they end up selling their stash and they have no boxes. Anyway, it's, it's another hobby boss kit. It's a little Soviet T 38 amphibious tank. Got, got it for a really, really good price. So I went ahead and picked that up. So good. And then finally, uh, and I've been putting these through the ringers on this Airfix build since I got them. But, uh, from Anthony Goodman of, uh, scale model podcast fame, I, I, I got his super sanding blocks. And I'm enjoying the heck out of those. And I'm going to write a review up for Tactical Notes for our club newsletter. And it's going to be favorable.
1: Well, good. Well, good.
0: And um. uh, I can say I recommend those. I got a couple of suggestions for future products from Goodman Models. But right now with the super sanding blocks, yeah, he's got a good product. And I like using them. And, and they... They, they solve a few problems that, that I've had in the past, not just sanding in general, but I like the wet sand. I like the wet sand on a flat surface. And these things are on their, the substrate's acrylic. So they're rigid and they're square and I can just set it on the bench, put a couple dabs of water on it and go to town. I don't have to get out the sheet of plate glass and put a whole or half sheet of sandpaper on there and douse it with water and make a big honking mess. I can just do this. It's like the postage stamp size version of that. And for most things I'm working on, that works great. And I really like them. So there'll be more to come on that in the future. And we'll have to make sure we send him a copy of tactical notes when I do that review. And hopefully it uh, generates a sale or two for him because I think, you know, he's, he's putting himself out there. He's putting some money into this and it's a little cottage industry. And, uh, I think it's a good thing.
1: Yeah well good this the, we'll have to retitle this segment for this month for me is what broke uh jim bates's wallet uh because uh jim's a modeler out in in seattle and uh he, he and i have known each other forever and um like a lot of modelers
0: i hear he sent you a big box of love
1: yes he did uh <laughs> Uh, Like a lot of modelers, uh, Jim and I over the years, whenever one of us is going to place an order from, from Hannitz or someplace like that, we'll email the other guy and say, Hey, I'm going to place an order from so-and-so. Do you need anything? And of course we always need something. And then it accumulates. And then four or five times a year, we end up sending each other boxes of stuff. Um, Well, uh, just post-Christmas, uh, actually mid-January, uh, uh, Jim sent me uh, what had accumulated uh, over stuff that he had purchased that I'd asked him to pick up. So in addition to the Airfix MiG-17, I got the uh, Bronco Fang, which is the first Chinese intermediate-range ballistic missile. It's uh, basically a stretched version of the v2 it's a copy of the russian ss2 and that's in 72nd yeah. scale and uh, the um new clear prop ki 51 sonya he sent me the one of those and clear prop is amazing they came out of nowhere and have had no learning curve. I, I, I cannot tell you how impressed I am by that stuff. And then finally in the same box was the new KP MiG-19. Uh, and this isn't the old KP MiG-19. This is the MiG-19 that KP has produced after AZ took them over. It's nice. It's not It's not Edward. It's not Hasegawa. It's not Tamiya. But it's, it's <laughs> definitely nice. So, uh, so it didn't break my wallet, but it broke Jim's wallet. Now, uh, I did well, He'll send, get
0: you on a, he'll get you on the flip side, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: well, I did send him a box uh, this past week <laughs> of stuff that I had accumulated. So uh, it's not a wholly one sided, uh, uh, wholly one sided transaction, although I probably still owe him some more stuff. So We'll have to see what we can do about evening that out.
0: Well, among friends, it always comes out in the wash, so
1: it does. It does absolutely.
0: All right. Well, we didn't do too bad there. No. Our special segment tonight is titled "Tools of the Trade," and we're going to discuss uh, some of our favorite tools and accessories on our workbenches and talk about a little bit of how how we use those or or what have you. So. Yeah. I announce. So Dave. Yeah. What you, what you got for us.
1: Uh, a couple of things. Uh, uh, first and foremost, we're excluding airbrushes from this conversation. Cause that's a completely standalone topic. So we're talking about tools that uh, other than airbrushes. And I don't know about every modeler I know is always looking for a tool that will make them a better modeler. And That's kind of a double edged sword because there's no tool out there that's going to magically make you a better modeler. But on the flip side, you know, there's that old handyman saying, the right tool for the job. And it certainly is true that there are a lot of tools out there that when you are faced with a uh, particular challenge or a particular need, having the right tool does make all the difference. Now, I think there is one exception to what I just said, and that is the first tool I'm going to recommend, and that is a company out of Japan called, believe it or not, God Hand. uh, G-O-D-H-A-N-D. And they make a bunch of modeling tools, and they make a sprue cutter. This thing is not cheap. It is like $45. For, and you're thinking forty five dollars for for a, a, a thing to cut sprue, you know, to cut attachment points off of uh, sprue trees. and You know, you when you were a kid, you did that with a set of nail clippers. Um, but this, I just thing, twisted them off. Yeah, or twisted them off. This thing is amazing. It it cuts so flush to the attachment point that. It never gouges, it never leaves a mark. You can hit it with the lightest brush of a sanding stick, and you would never know where the attachment point was. This thing truly does, it's one of the few tools I would say actually does make you a better modeler. They're not cheap, but they're worth it. and that's the God hand. I think the the catalog number is SPN one twenty. And it's they're they're great.
0: I should probably write that down so I can put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 put pictures and all of that and links and such. So what's uh, what's your first tool?
0: Uh, my optivisor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sucks getting old, doesn't it? Sucks getting old and man. I don't know what I, you know, it happened sometime between 40 and 40 and a half, <laughs> but yes. my, 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 near vision tanked and it tanked quickly. And, you know, I talked to the ophthalmologist about it and they're like, well, yeah, it's, it's to be expected. The muscles that help you focus your eyes, just, they wear out and stretch and they just can't get it done anymore. So Optivizer is a binocular a binocular magnifier you wear it like a visor optivisor and uh <laughs> this is like Viagra for scale modelers <laughs> <laughs>
1: helps it get it done when you've gotten old
0: that's right helps you get it done when you got when you've gotten old and you know the my little zis two anti tank gun is the is the first thing I've completed exclusively using this. And man, I can't see anything up close anymore without it. Now, if I take out my contact lenses and use my my cursed nearsightedness, I I can do better. But if I've got them in, I've I've got to have this. I I can't see. I can't see within eighteen inches of my face. I'll break yeah. something. But on the other hand, when you're wearing something that you're, when all your work is done, at two X magnification. It probably does make you a better modeler. It helps you fix a lot of stuff uh, you kind of you kind of didn't notice before. <laughs> yeah
1: Well, you know in, speaking of that, I know a bunch of modelers who take photographs in progress for a, a number of things to post or to write articles. But one of the things I have noticed is you'll notice something in a photo in progress photograph of your model that you would not have noticed looking directly at the model. And I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is, but it's, uh, it's true. I'm not so sure that that's not a bad, uh, uh, a bad technique for checking yourself, but you're right about the eye, the curse of getting older. Um,
0: now it does have one drawback, which is when you've got the visor down (laughs) your highball glass just hits it, hits it right before you get to your mouth. Yeah. So you got to flip it up to take a sip. Or if you flipped it
1: up and you lean in and it catches on your lamp,
0: (laughs) which I've done before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my next recommendation, and this one is probably pretty well known to to most modelers, uh, the Flexophile, particularly the new Mark II handle with the bend in it. Um, these came out 20, 25 years ago. Um, it was an idea that when you saw it, you're like, why didn't somebody think of that years before? Um, it's just, a, an aluminum frame that you take strips of, uh, uh, sandpaper and put it between the, the ends of the frame and sand. Almost everybody's probably seen them. Uh, and and they are particularly for aircraft modelers. They're great because a lot of times you're sanding around fuselage or a curved surface, and you don't want to flatten it. You don't want a flat spot. Um, uh, and and the flexofile also makes it easy to hold the model in one hand and the flexophile in the other and sand along the seams. So yeah, uh, I'm. I'm, I'm a huge believer in them. And uh, uh, I particularly like the mic, the Mark II handle with the bend in it. Uh, it, it, it really helps. And uh, I do think that that makes, makes modeling easier.
0: Well, I've not picked up the Mark II handle yet, but if somebody's going to get into FlexiFile and they don't have them, I recommend just getting on their website and buying the, the acrylic box set Yeah, It's got like three or four frames, four frames, maybe five, four for sure. And the foam insert for a little stand. And that way you you don't have to load and unload the the frame. You can put all the grits on their own frame and just, just rock and roll. Yep. I agree. So what's your next one? Another tool I go to all the time is, uh, my Waldron sub miniature punch and die set.
1: Ah, yes. Uh,
0: Waldron, I think somebody's making it now. If, if anybody's making it, somebody has bought this, but Waldron was a, one of the early aircraft aftermarket detail companies. And they used to do these, uh, instrument panel placard sets and the, the punch and die sets were originally sold to, to punch out these instrument panels. But they started getting adopted by other, other modelers for other means. And I use it to punch rivets and small discs for all kinds of stuff. Uh, for example, on this Airfix build, the spare wheel for the anti-aircraft gun was really poorly molded. A lot of tool damage because it's 30, 40-year-old tool. Uh, half the lug nuts were missing off the wheel and the center hub was, was misformed. So I just sanded all that off. And I found punches in this set that were very close to the original diameters of the details that were on the kit part originally. And I punched these out and glue them on and it's good as new. Another thing I use this for is uh, filling ejector pin marks. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with the Waldron set is to punch a disc from five thousandths evergreen styrene, which is paper thin. Right. And you can drop that in a, an injector pin and flood the thing with liquid cement and you can fill it up. Sometimes you may have to put a second one in, uh, but it can make quick work of filling those or or get to the point where you don't have to use so much putty and you don't have the shrinkage problem with, the the putty shrinking down and, uh, having to come back and hit it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a little fragile. And I don't know if Waldron, I don't know if this, I don't know if you can still buy this one, but punch and die sets are available from several other manufacturers in the hobby industry. And I need to get a bigger one because ejector pins in injection mold tools are always some set standard size. You know, they're like four or five millimeters or an eighth inch, uh sixteenth of an inch, something like that. They're usually standard size. So for ejector pin filling, if you could get a bigger set and a smaller set, odds are you're going to hit a lot of those right on the money. Yeah. So if you, do you know is is anybody still selling it?
1: Uh, I don't know if they're selling the Wal- Walter. I've got both the regular and the <laughs> sub miniature set, uh, but I know UMM has several sets. Yes, uh, they do. And uh, you know, or equivalent sets. Uh, so I mean, there there are punching dyes out there. They're available. Uh, but I agree with you. They're they're a, a fantastic tool. Um, the final tool that uh, uh I want to talk about tonight is uh something I didn't know I needed. When you run across a seam or a raised line or a mold line, uh you know the the normal modeler technique is to take like a an exacto blade, a number 11 X-Acto blade or a Swan Morton scalpel and, you know, scrape it along that seam line to try and eliminate it. But the problem that uh, the those things have is that the blade is flexible, so it ends up flexing as you're scraping it along that seam and it either gouges the plastic or doesn't do a real good job removing it. Um, I came across a tool that I picked up kind of on a whim uh, and that's a seam scraper. Uh, The one I've got is from Trumpeter. Um, And uh, a seam scraper is exactly what the sounds like. It's a um, looks kind of like an ice pick, a flattened ice pick. Uh, The scraper part is solid, fairly thick metal so that when you run it along a seam it scrapes it and removes it generally in one pass without damaging the surrounding surface and uh does a really good job i was i like i said i kind of picked it up on a whim but i'm i'm surprised at at how useful it is uh i'm pretty much using it on nearly every build that uh, uh, that I do at some point since I picked it up. So uh, it's a little surprising for me, but uh, I highly recommend picking up a purpose-done seam scraper as opposed to using your exacto knife.
0: Yeah, I've seen those. S- somebody makes, maybe it is Trumpeter. I can't remember the brand.
1: Well, the Trumpeter one is a good one, but- I can tell you. I, I like it.
0: Now is is it you will have to provide a picture because I will. The, the one I'm thinking of has a like a, a curved surface in it that you' it's a, it's a flat piece of metal.
1: Yeah no this one this one looks like it's got a, a black handle and the um, the blade part looks for one of a better description like a prison shiv. Um, and, uh, it's, it's rigid, but sharp, uh, and, and tapered of course. And, uh, uh, it's excellent for removing seams. I, like I said, I was, I was surprised as to, as to how useful it turned out to be.
0: Uh, I've got one that's actually homemade. Oh, this
1: I want to hear about.
0: Not a scream saver. My, my next my next favorite tool. Sure. Super glue application. Mm-hmm. Can drive people nuts, especially if they're trying to apply it from the bottle, which is kind of not recommended, at least not yeah. for me. I've got a piece of balsa wood. It's about an eighth inch square, five millimeters square, for those who are not on the English system of measure. It's pretty much everybody else, but us, right? Right. I cut this about the length of a pencil, about five and a half inches long. So you can hold it just like a pencil. You can hold it between your fingers and then it rests against your first knuckle, like a pencil. And in the end of it, in the end grain, I push a piece of about 12,000 brass wire with about a quarter inch sticking out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the way I find this works best is, you know, I, I put the super glue like on the polyethylene soda bottle cap or something like that, milk jug, something like that. Put the super glue on there. And then this works a lot better. If you kind of prime it first, you get a little dried super glue on the end of it first. And then you can just pick it up and put it where you want it with this little piece of wire. And then when it, when it starts to build a too big of a bead on the end, you just pull it out a little bit and clip it off. And start the whole thing over again but it's a really cheap inexpensive and very uh, accurate super glue placement tool that you can make cool. yourself
1: well you'll have to supply us a picture of that that's i've used a couple of these uh uh photo etch super glue applicators and they're so so my big problem with most of those is that they pick up two big a bead a super glue and then the other thing i've used is uh, and this is another thing jim bates turned me on to uh off of amazon i've gotten these are like makeup brushes they're very pointed i think they're used for eyeliner or eyelashes and they are disposable and they have uh um they have uh, bristles that come to a very fine point and uh, you can pick up a very small amount of super glue on the end of one of those and apply it pretty precisely. But uh, I'll be interested to see a photo of your, of your contraption.
0: (laughs) It's, It's pretty simple, but sometimes that's best, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes simple is best.
0: Uh, I'm trying to think if I got anything else you have any more
1: nope I think that's it uh, so I think we're coming to the end of the episode uh who who who's your shout outs for the month
0: my shout out for the month of February is a USA Gundam store hmm yeah I thought you might find that a little interesting
1: yeah you're doing Gundams now on the side I mean you got teenage boys no
0: no I'm not I'm not doing Gundams but I needed something and this this gets back to this renault r thirty five I remember I said somebody on on YouTube I can't remember he he's whoever this is he he's the person who 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 had this advanced boxing of this kit and you know the French camouflage has well not all of it but the the schemes everybody really wants to do are the ones that have the black demarcation line between the colors yeah and he used a Gundam paint marker for this huh so I started looking around at where I could buy one, and I remembered that uh, the guys at Scale Model Podcast had mentioned USA Gundam Store, I think. And then there's a paint line that is, I think, sponsoring on the bench. We'll yeah. have to clear that up for us, but they, they, they advertise a, a line of paint. I believe it's an Australian line of paint that is now available in North America through USA Gundam Store. So I got on their website and I found the markers I needed and I ordered them. And I tell you, it's first rate place, the order, as soon as they cut the shipping label, you get an update. As soon as it's in the mail, you get an update. I get my package in like two and a half days, three days, you get a follow-up email after that, how'd it go? Here's a survey if you want to do that. So you can rate their business and they sent me my, my markers a nice handwritten postcard from whoever packed the order. And they sent a nice USA Gundam store decal. Oh, cool. Which promptly went on the, went on the side of my spray booth with all my other decals I get for. That's, that's where I put my pubs and barbecue joints and <laughs> stuff like that. So
1: I'll have to post a picture on the Facebook page of mine. Cause I do the exact same thing.
0: So a pleasant, pleasant little transaction from them. And I don't know if, how often I'll ever order from them, but they had the marker I needed. So I ordered it from them and they, they did a bang up job even for such a small order. So well, good. there there you go. USA Gundam store.
1: Well, good. Uh, I've got two shout outs for, for this month. The first one is for those of the listeners up in the North, uh, Northwest, uh, IPMS Seattle's having their spring show, uh coming up this uh, Saturday I think it's the 15th and uh uh since Bates was kind enough to send me the box the least I can do is give a shout out to his local show up there so if you're in the area go by and uh, uh it's a great show lots of models uh, uh good people up there so drop on by if you're if you're uh, in the area uh, the other shout out is to all of the folks down under i uh, thanks to thanks to the uh on the bench guys we're surprisingly popular in Australia of the top ten cities that uh, we have people listening to our podcast in uh like five of them are in Australia so we have more, more listeners in Australia than either Canada or Great Britain. So I want to thank them all for listening and, uh, uh we appreciate the support.
0: I can second that it's really been a big boost for the, for yes. the, uh, the shout outs they've given us and they've been funny. I have to admit I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed those a lot and I've, I've talked to Dave a little bit on email yeah. back and forth and really appreciate it guys. Really appreciate it. Very much and so. It's, it's, all, it's, it's all fun, and we do. They mentioned it in their last episode. We, we've we kind of got a community growing here, and everybody's having a good time. And yeah.
1: I know I we, am.
0: We probably have all the same listeners, but there's plenty of room here to, to listen a long time.
1: Yep. I agree. I agree.
0: Well, I think that's it for this episode, Dave.
1: I think it is, too. I'm glad that uh, both of us are still keeping up the modeling mojo.
0: Mine's pretty good, but I'm getting to where I'm going to have to start painting some more. So good. I think it's time to start another build. It's time to start another build. Yep. Yep. And I, th- I think my next build is going to use about three kits to get one model. So that one will be fun. We'll talk about oh, that, that more in the future.
1: You'll have to document that. I'm sure the listeners <laughs> will like to like to follow along.
0: All right. Well, until next time, so many kits. So little time. See you next time. All right. Good night, Dave. Good night.